Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for March 25th is Joshua chapters 9 through 11. The adventure of the conquest of the promised land continues. And now they've utterly destroyed two cities and all of their inhabitants, and the word is starting to get out more and more. And so this crafty group of people, the Hivites or Hivites, H-I-V-I-T-E-S, from Gibeon, also called the Gibeonites, it can be confusing, same people, these people disguise themselves as if they had traveled from afar. They get old crusty bread and wear old faded torn clothes and old cracked dried out wineskins. And they travel three days to meet with Joshua and the Israelites. And they lie. And they say, we've come from a great distance. We've heard of the fame of your king, your God, Jehovah. And we don't want to wind up like all of your enemies. So let's make a treaty. And it's very interesting because the Israelites, again, don't seek God. They don't pray. They don't ask their king. At this point, they are a, um, what's, what's the word? A theocracy. God is their ruler. God is their king. They don't ask their king if they should make a treaty with these people. They just believe them after they question them a little bit. They take some of their provisions. They make a deal. The people leave. And three days later, there they are again as they're coming into Gibeon and they come into these cities and the elders of the town come out and say, hey, we had a deal. And what's interesting, I would think, I mean, based on what little bit I know about the law in, in our country today, I think if somebody tricks you into a covenant, it shouldn't be valid, right? I mean, wouldn't you think that they would be able to say, hey, you guys lied to us, or we don't have to keep that promise that we made to you. It was made under false pretense. But they swore an oath before Jehovah, um, before Jehovah, Jehovah, Yahweh, their God. And so they have to keep it. But it doesn't keep Joshua from cursing the people and saying, because you've done this, because you tricked us, you're going to be slaves. You're going to carry our water. You're going to cut our wood from this point on. And then also, interestingly, again, some time goes by, that all the other cities around there decide we don't really have much chance against Moses, nation, Israel, led by Joshua, we don't have much of a chance. And so let's go attack the Gibeonites because they've destroyed every city and now they've made a pact with the Gibeonites. Let's go attack Gibeon. And so they do. And a message is sent to Israel. It reaches Joshua that says, help. All of the kings are united against us and we cannot stand 
Come and help us, save us. And they do, and it doesn't say that they pray again. But this time, they fall into God's purpose. It's almost as if God says, this time you got it, this time you're fighting on my team, instead of asking me to come and fight on your team. And there's this verse. in chapter 11 that I'd like to read. Oh, the context, beginning in verse 16. Joshua took all this land, the hill country, all the Negev, all the land of Goshen. He waged war, skipping down to 18. With all these kings for a long time, no city made peace with Israelites except for the Hivites, or Hivites, who lived in Gibeon, all of them were taken in battle. Now this is the verse, verse 20. This is the one I'd like to just let sink in. For it was Jehovah's intention to harden their hearts so that they would engage Israel in battle, be completely destroyed without mercy, and be annihilated just as Jehovah had commanded Moses. That's hard to think about God hardening the hearts of all these people. He did the same to Pharaoh. Romans talks about that, how God hardens that. In Romans, it even says of the twins before they were born, while they were in, still in their mother's womb, God said, Jacob, I have loved. Esau, I have hated in most translations. It's very interesting. And while I don't claim to understand it, I do suggest or I do think that at least in this instance, in Joshua chapter 11 and everything that we've read about these battles, these wars that the Israelites are fighting, I believe it's because these people are so wicked that God wanted to drive them out. And the people who are good-hearted, like Rahab, even though she was a prostitute, she feared God, and she did the right thing, and she joined the Israelites, and she was engrafted in. Because it's not about race, it's not about gender, it's not about skin color, it's about the heart. And there can be a time for each of us where we go so far outside of the common grace of God's love for all people that we become so hardened and so bad beyond reproach that God just says, you refuse to repent. And so I'm just not going to give you any more chances because we know there are Two kinds of repentance, right? There's the repentance that leads to... There's the repentance that leads to reunification in the relationship with God. And then there's the repentance because of the world, because, oh, I got caught, because, oh, I don't like the consequences of my sin that lead people 
even further away from God. It's like, okay, I'm going to conform on the outside, and that's it. And that's not good enough for him. My friends, I've gone a little long-winded today, and so I apologize, but thanks for hanging in there with me. God bless you, and we will see you tomorrow.